Welcome to the latest episode of Clinically Press. Tonight we have Andy Asko, world champ powerlifter, taking us through some of his techniques and how he became world champ. Andy? Yep. Okay. Welcome to the latest episode of Clinic Impressed. Uh, this is actually our first live interview, uh, and we're very, very fortunate to have um, a world champion and also a world record holder, AJ, no, um, on the show, and that is uh, Mr. Andy Askow. Uh, just a couple things on him. He is a student here at UWL doing exercise science. science. Um, his most recent is he was the IPF world champion, um, in which he won with an 858 kilogram total, which consists of a bench press of 217.5 kilograms, which is actually about 480 pounds, a 300 kilogram uh, deadlift, which is 661 pounds, and then his world record squat of 340.5 kilograms, which is 751 pounds. An animal. Yeah. So. <laughs> Just jumping right into it, how did you get started in all this? Uh, I get this question a lot. So I can uh, imagine. <laughs> when I was in sixth grade, my best friend's dad uh, was the football and powerlifting coach at Nasita. So he would pick us up at like 5 a.m. in the morning and take us in the lift to get us ready for high school football. And it just kind of spiraled into my life after I graduated high school. Didn't want to continue your football career. I got to think coaches were just jonesing to get you on an offensive line. I got well. I was a, I wasn't very good at offense. I was I was a better D lineman, but um, I got some offers. I got some offers to play football and wrestle, but I just wasn't ready to make that commitment, and so I stuck with powerlifting because it's something that didn't take that much time at that point in my life. Didn't have to memorize the playbook. <laughs> Pick this up and put it back down. Just because right? I'm strong doesn't mean I'm smart. <laughs> so when you were in high school, were you still at a elite level? Or have you just made leaps and bounds since so you, know, you, you graduated? I was one of those kids that everyone hates, the one who didn't have to show up and train that hard. Um, so I wrestled all winter, which is powerlifting season. So I'd train for lifting all summer, and then I'd play football, wouldn't lift that much. And then I'd wrestle all year, I wouldn't lift at all. And then after wrestling was done, whether it be regional, state, or sectionals, I'd turn around and like three weeks later go to powerlifting state, and then two weeks after that go to powerlifting nationals. And I ended up, I ended up winning state my senior year, and I took second at nationals senior year and made the USA team for the first time. Dang. <laughs> Does it make you mad that you're not more famous here on campus? I feel like you fly under the radar a little bit. People I try to. There's a world champ on, on campus. When uh, the news stations did that coverage when I went to Worlds, like, I was like a celebrity for two weeks, and it was really annoying. It was, it was kind of cool at first. People were like, you're the world champ. And I'm like, ah, yeah, that's pretty neat. And then two weeks later, they're like, oh, you're the world champ. I'm like, leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you. 
But I really it, am nice. It's rare to have world champ in, in the presence of others. Pretty big deal, I yeah, think. Yeah, it is a big deal. Gonna be the best student I've ever had. No. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> it's our uh, camera guy. Yeah, one of our other students. Out camera guy. Don't forget about us when you're all rich and famous. Getting paid in t-shirts and stickers. <laughs> oh, man. Possibly, so many t-shirts. Possibly a dinner here or there. Um, so I had a question as I was going through all your stuff. Like, I understand the concept of being... It's research, bro. That's what we do here. Um, like, a raw powerlifter. And put, you feel free to explain that just to make sure, but... What is single ply? Like, what is all that? <laughs> I just, I looked at it. I was like, I don't know what that is. This would be a great way to so find out. single ply. It's it's slowly kind of being phased out. It's what I started in. So I got okay. my start in single ply powerlifting, which are these really tight, um, uncomfortable suits, um, okay. shirts, and yeah. deadlift suits with knee wraps, um, and they add a ton of weight to your total. So, just off the top of my head, my best equipped squat was nine hundred. And it was super easy. Um, and that was when I was, I think, 19. And at that time, I think I squatted 680 raw. And I benched 635, and I can only bench 440 raw. Wow. That's and a big yeah, difference. Yeah. yeah. So, so these single-ply suits, I mean, it's, people, people talk a lot of smack about it because they say it does the lifting for you. But it's, it's not like that. It's like how I describe it as like wiffle ball versus baseball. While they're the same implements and it's the same ideology, like they're two completely different sports. Um, but after I bombed out of a meet, so I failed to get a, a successful squat, I kind of had an itch to compete again. So I turned around, that was at Men's Nationals in 2014. And I turned around three weeks later with Blaine Sumner and did Raw Nationals in Aurora, Colorado, and ended up making a world team. And, haven't gone back to equipment since. <laughs> Can't blame you. No kidding. Makes sense. What was it like getting that suit on? Uh, um, so I, <laughs> I, I, I got story. pictures of it. Like I'd probably pay money to watch you squeeze funny in and story. out of those things. I bought the suit that I last wore, so the one that I actually cut off of my legs. <laughs> in, that, in that meet, um, I bought when I was like 360 pounds. And obviously, like, I had the pat, fat powerlifter mentality, like, more weight, the better. So I ballooned up to like 405 and I wore the same suit. And then I borrowed another suit from a training partner who bought his suit when he was like 320. Ooh, wow. So it took me about 45 minutes to get on every day. Um, I'd be sweating, I'd be out of breath. And then you'd do like one single and then go home. And your training sessions lasted like three and a half hours. Oh, gosh. Just to warm up to a heavy single for squats. Just cause you gotta get it in on the crap. It's like Chris Farley. Yeah. Man, that's a yeah. big jump. Yeah. I kind of ballooned up a little bit. So where are you at now? Uh, I know we've had you up in the lab doing some tests. On I'm at 373 now. 373. Um, I was as low as 362, but that was 5% body fat higher than I'm at now. So that's been slowly getting going down the last yep. couple months, right? Yeah, and the body weight's been going up. Right. Good problem. Yeah. You yeah. Good problem. What's your lifts been doing in that amount of time? Ridiculous progress. So uh, I'll talk a little bit about that. And so um, what do you attribute to that? Because that, I mean, we just posted an article about that's like the ultimate goal and now science has proven that it's actually feasible, you know, drop body fat and increase. You can call me science if you want to. Well, I will see you in the hallway now and go, science, what up? Science. So it was this summer? Yep. 
this summer I walked into the Human Performance Lab for the first time, and uh, I saw this bald man sitting at a table. Um, uh, Dr. Matt Andre asked, or sent out an email saying, if you need research opportunities, Andrew Jaggins holding um, a monitoring study this Saturday, show up and you can help out and put it on your resume. So I walked in and I, he introduced himself to me. Um, that was pretty cool. You guys that's something to pretty about cool. beards. Yeah, it's yeah, what America that's thought it was. Yeah. We should call this like barbells and beards tonight. Everyone's <laughs> I'm so oh. far behind. Barbells <laughs> and beards and then Joel. And then Joel. <laughs> and then Joel. Sorry. <laughs> so um, walked in. We kind of hit it off. We had a conversation. I showed up early, so we got 10, 15 minutes of talking before everyone showed up. And then we had sports nutrition together last yeah. semester. When you show up. Yeah, when I want to show up. Like it was early class. <laughs> um, so I just one day I asked him, I knew we had the metabolic cart with the metabolic hood. I'm like, hey, can we check my resting energy expenditure? And I, I thought it was like me asking for a huge favor, but his face lit up. He's like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And ever since then, we've just been doing some monitoring stuff. Um, I was eating at that time about 3,700 calories a day. Um, and that first reading was like, 3,000. Well, yeah, your resting metabolism alone was at about 3,000. 3, and then you tack on the amount of training that you're doing. And then hauling around this all day. That's pretty fun. I mean, moral of <laughs> story, we found that you were significantly under eating based on yeah, and your training style, goals, body size, things like that. So what a good problem to have, right? Yeah, you, exactly. You've got to eat another, I mean, 2,000 calories yeah, so on I, some I think days. we bumped it up. We bumped it up right away to 5,500. And we saw a little bit, like a sharp increase in some body fat percentage, mm -hmm. um, but that's probably to be expected uh, when you just introduce that much. Um, and then ever since then, we've, we've brought it down. I think on my off days now, I'm at 4,600. On my volume weeks, I generally just try to get as much as I can. It ends up being around 5,500. And we were five, or it's a little under 5% higher body fat percentage at 11 pounds lighter at that time. Yep. So I was a lot less lean and lighter than I am now in four months, I think now. A little over four months. Yeah, that's since we first did it. You have pretty significant muscle swing. Yeah, I think it was 21 pounds of fat-free mass or something. Right. Right. Wow, a lot of muscle. <laughs> and you already had the most lean mass I've ever seen on an athlete. And so the highest good. metabolism I've ever seen too. I mean, all these things are not your typical numbers in yeah. a lab, so it's pretty fun to see this and then hear that it's making an impact on training. Oh, yeah, that was the original question. Uh, so my lifts with that, um, at Worlds in June, I totaled 1891 in pounds, and on January 16th, I just had a meet, and I totaled 2004 with pretty decent gains. amount, left in, pretty decent amount left in the tank. Gains. And that was, what, five, six months in between? Yeah. And now you got Arnold right around the corner here. Two weeks. Two weeks. From Saturday. What are your goals for that one? <sighs> After this week, I'm not so sure. <laughs> um, ideally, I want to take home three world records because it's an international meet. But I want to take home the world record squat, which I've unofficially broken twice. Um, the world record bench and the world record total, which I've unofficially broken once. Um, ideally, it'd be, I think I played with numbers the other day, and it was like 821 pounds. Uh, 519 and 724. Jeez. That would, no, 716. Because the, <laughs> the fun part, two years ago I went to the Arnold and didn't equip me. So a single ply meet, like we talked yeah, about. Yeah. 
and I totaled 2,055, and that's what I want to do this time, raw. That'd wow. be cool. Coming yeah. a long way since then. So you think you'll be able to hit it? Uh, if this taper <laughs> does the job, yeah. I'm pretty down in the dumps right now, but yeah. if the taper goes well, it should be pretty decently easy. Yeah, so you got Arnold in a couple weeks, and then the next one will IBF be Worlds, yeah. Worlds again is the next one on your radar, right? So this is kind of the time to play with some of these, you know, different eating strategies, training techniques. Yeah. You know, if there's any time to start adjusting numbers, it would be now to make sure you're not losing anything in training. Exactly. Did you change your training when you changed your eating habits then? No. Or you just no. pretty much kept that I mean, variable the same? For about four weeks I did. Um, I just did a high volume like kind of shock block to get back into the swing of things after a meet, but I pretty much run the same style of training all year. What does that look like? That was one of my questions. Like, how do you, like, when you get numbers like this, like, what does that training generally look like? I know it's not easy to just, like, lay it out there. Well, it's it's simple, but. I mean, in my opinion, programming is, like, pretty decently easy to pick up on. Like, um, (laughs) he's going to give his secrets out, though. Yeah, all the secrets. Hold on to the secrets. Quick break. We got to go and take a look at something. Uh, We will have a. Extra bonus footage for you guys for hearing this one, so we'll be back after that. Hey everyone, AJ here live on campus EWL. We're with the world champ, Andy Ascow, this evening. He's going to take us through the ringer here, kind of run through his squat progression techniques. Uh, actually kind of leading me through his tips on you know his vision of the perfect squat what he thinks is ideal for form technique and so forth so I'm just gonna leave it up to this guy he knows a hell of a lot more about squatting than I do so again he's gonna take me through the squat all right Andy <laughs> so first off let's just kind of see how it looks um, without <laughs> good start <laughs> underneath the bar wide grip I just want to see how you how you handle it normally. Just give me a couple of reps. Alright, so you kind of led me to believe that it was going to be really bad, so that was a pleasant surprise. Um, so a couple of things we're seeing. One is your shoes, obviously with trainers you're not going to get an even stable uh, foot position on the ground. So when you're going, you're kind of rolling between the outside and the inside of your foot, the front and back. So we suggest either a flat hard sole or an elevated heel. Um, it looks like you have decent enough mobility that you wouldn't really need an elevated heel, but if you would want to try that, that would be something to look into. So what does that elevated heel do then? You mentioned it's mobility related. Yeah, so a lot of times people have problems getting um, enough dorsiflexion to get proper depth in the squat. So that's limited mobility at the ankles where you run into that issue and therefore again jacking up the heels on a plate can help with that. These guys will know more about it than in terms of the biomechanics of it, but you're essentially shortening up that lever in the posterior chain. And it allows you to kind of get your knees over your toes more, which means your hips can go straight down instead of back, which generally will allow you to keep a more upright torso. So you think uh, in a squat, if your hips have to go back, your torso has to come forward to balance, right? 
So if you can get your hips to come straight down more with your knees coming over your toes, it's going to be a much more upright torso position, which in my mind is a much better position than the bottom of a squat with weight on your back. Got it. So it looks pretty good there. Um, we're seeing a pretty decent squat actually. You made me think that it was going to be really bad, but it's not as bad as you might think it is. So, um, that was my max though, so that's, that's where I run into problems when I pull weight on. Um, so why don't we just walk it off and we'll go through some, oh you want to put some weight on the bar? That's me all right. Yeah. What do we want? Some painters. Oh, you're going to let me actually run through the painter. So one thing we're seeing, um, have you always been a pretty wide stand squatter? Mostly. Mostly. Had to cheat a little bit because of the lack of mobility. Uh, is that through your hips or your ankles? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. Um, so generally with my athletes, I like to see um, a very non-traditional powerlifting style squat. So um, in general, I recommend a high bar squat for the reasons of being more upright like we talked about earlier and then a more narrow stance squat because I think you can get a lot more power out of the hold even if it means that you have to squat deeper. So a lot of people will think powerlifting, short range of motion, um, and that's all well and good until it puts you in a worse position where you're not as powerful out of the hold or off the chest in the bench press. So we generally um, see my athletes high bar squatting um, unless they've been with me long enough that they can develop their own opinions on high versus low bar squats and how they want to do it. But I start people off with a high bar squat with a narrow stance. Alright, and do you want to walk us through the difference here between high bar, low bar, wide stance, traditional stance, and what your views are on kind of the optimal way for at least power lifters to go about it? Absolutely. So before I get under the bar, um, I'll just say that a high bar squat is generally a squat with the bar sitting more up on the traps here you'd see um, generally a more upright torso with more knee travel. In a low bar squat, it's going to sit much lower here um, on the shelf of the rear delts, which is going to involve more vertical shins and uh, a lot more hip backwards instead of knee forwards. So in general, what that's going to look like... Just a little embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> well, for a high bar squat, you're going to stand erect, uh, very upright, no forward torso lean, with the bar on top of your traps. Um, you're going to sit straight down as much as you can with your knees coming forward, which leads to a very upright bottom position. And in my opinion, this is going to be a lot more beneficial for a power lifter compared to uh, a more wide stance low bar squat, where right off the bat, you already see the torso comes forward to balance for the bar being more on the back. To initiate the squat, you're gonna sit back more onto the heels, which means my torso has to drop. And here in the bottom position, 
you have a lot of forward torso lean. Um, under heavy weight, I find personally that um, I tend to collapse, and I see that a lot amongst raw powerlifters. So in my opinion, the upright, very strong positioning here is a much more beneficial position to be in for a competition squat for powerlifting. Does it matter like height of the athlete? It's gonna, it's gonna depend um, on the morphology, so the, the build of the athlete a lot, but if they can get into a decent high bar squat position, I'm probably gonna have them start there. So if you were to wrap things up and kind of walk us through your final take-home tips or things to focus on if you can't hit a certain range of motion or yeah, what are your kind of final thoughts here or things that are important? We can chat for a second. In under half an hour, I know you can talk on this topic all So I guess I'll narrow it down to three big ones. So one, get your mobility in check. Um, it's a longevity sport, powerlifting. So if you're immobile through the hips, and it's gonna cause a little back problem over time, that's gonna be a big deal down the line. And it's really gonna rob you of longevity and progress over time, so you're never gonna hit that high level that you might wanna hit. Um, number two would probably be um, a way to carry out the squat. You see a lot of people kind of slow on the eccentric and just try to stand up. I don't advocate dive bombing, I'm a dive bomb squatter. Um, but what I do advocate is when you get to about here in the squat, so just a few inches above the hole of the squat, hitting a nice little dip and trying to really explode out of the hole. Um, and that's generally an almost immediate PR for people who um, tend to squat slower. I guess the third one, um, play around with it. I mean, play around with everything. I've been squatting for 11 years. Um, and I've been told hundreds of times that my form is pretty perfect, but even I still play around with my stance with how I grip the bar and how I carry out the squat. So just find what works for you, and that's what's gonna be best for you. So even if I say a high bar upright squat's gonna be best, if you're stronger in a low bar where you sit back, then I'm wrong in your instance. All right, well there you have it. Tips from the world champ, Andy Al, man, myth, legend. Uh, so hopefully you learned something today of value, and again, try to incorporate some of these strategies into your own squat routine. Thank you. We're back. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed uh, that performance and technique insight. Uh, we were just about to talk about the different type of training that Andy goes through to help get himself prepared and to keep numbers that he has continuing to increase. So what do you got? <laughs> So when I came up here to UW, I transferred from UW-Madison about oh, three nice. years ago, yeah. So my freshman year, I was a chemical engineer, and then I decided, <laughs> I, decided okay. I wanted to have a life, so I picked up ESS Fitness at Lacrosse. There you go. Um, and I kind of started wanting to coach myself. I was coaching myself, I wasn't following a program, and I saw stupid progress, but I also gained. 80 pounds my freshman year. <laughs> freshman year. <laughs> <80. laughs> <laughs> Gotta watch out for that. It's like the powerlifting version of yeah. it. Yeah, I, I do everything big. So. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, Most definitely. So the strength gains were probably pretty minimal compared to what they could have been gotcha. if I had a good training program. So I kind of wrote up this thing. Um, it started off as two days a week of squatting, squat, Monday, squat and bench Monday and Friday, deadlift on Wednesday, and I started playing around with more frequency. So I had squat and bench 
on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, deadlift on Thursday, and now it's just kind of, over the past three, four years, it's just kind of developed into the training that I really enjoy and the training that I have my athletes run um, into a meet. It's three days a week of squat bench it, and then two days a week of deadlift. So Monday is your heavy bench day with a medium squat. Tuesday would be like your opposite style deadlift. So if you're a sumo deadlifter, you pull conventional and vice versa. Wednesday is your heavy squat with a, a volume bench. So like two sets of 12 or three sets of 15. Gotcha. Um, and I generally make them do that close grip um, to put more emphasis on the triceps and just get more volume in there. Thursday, we do our heavy deadlift. So that's quite the turnaround. Um, yeah. Between heavy squats one day. And I bet you're feeling great come yeah. uh, Thursday. Um, but I mean, that's just like a meet. You squat and then bench and then yeah. deadlift. So that's true. true. That's my excuse. <laughs> and then Friday is kind of like there's no heavy stuff. So it's um, medium squat or medium bench and then that volume squat. So pretty much for squat and bench, you have three days that you undulate between like a heavy, medium, and light day. For deadlift, you have a sumo and a conventional day. Very little accessory work. I was just saying, so, that's it. Like, so I was going to ask, where are, the, where are the bicep curls, some yeah. lateral raises? So that's one thing uh, you guys had sent me before. Like, do you have any ideas that are kind of uh, not widely accepted or kind of go against the grain? And that's one that I generally subscribe to is very little accessory work. Um, seems to be very beneficial yeah. <laughs> for the people I coach, at least for me. Um, Wasted volume if you're not really... I feel like... We had this conversation earlier um, about specificity. I'm not in, I don't subscribe to the whole sports specificity thing. Like, strength is sports specific no matter what. The more I talk to Dr. Wright about it, the more I go with it. It's it, to a very general term, they are, but soccer players go forward and back and side to side. Well, so do basketball players. And yeah. So do football players. They just do it at different varying intensities. I think something that get th- gets thrown around with that, though, is like, you got to be in the sports speed and at the sports stances. Mm-hmm. And it's like strength is sports specific. Right. That's the stronger you are, the exactly. better you're You're going to be more powerful. The potential to be more powerful, right. faster, et cetera. Um, but I don't subscribe to that. But I do think that the barbell is the best idea you can do, especially for a power lifter. Um, if, you're, if you're worried about like the science behind it, like obviously force production and stuff like that. But just getting comfortable doing those lifts, even when you feel like crap and you feel tired, um, if you can come in and squat 600 when you're the worst day of your life, you know what I mean? You're going to be able to come in no matter what and just be confident under that barbell. So we do pretty much all of our work with the barbell. Um, Sometimes I let the athletes do extra stuff. I would rather they didn't, but they want to get biceps and big shoulders. That's right. My goals are a little different. The beach muscles. Do you do anything specific with your uh, eating, I guess, based on your training, nutrient timing and all that? Um, so for me, I don't have to be as precise. Obviously, like I don't have body composition goals, really. I don't have aesthetic goals, so I can kind of handle like high GI carbs in the morning if I'm in a hurry or whatever, you know what I mean? So um, ideally, yeah, I'd like to do like the sugars after my workout and try to do the lower GI load carbs throughout the day, but sometimes that doesn't happen. Um, the big one I try to focus on is getting constant like boluses of protein. So instead of like 
200 carbs in the morning or 200 grams in the morning and 200 grams at night. We're good, like trying to break that up into constant meals. So how challenging is that as a college <laughs> student? I know so eating practices in general when you're in college are all over the board usually. So um, it can it can get pretty difficult, especially when you got research to do. Like you got to be in the lab in the morning, and then you got to turn around and go right back to class. And you get 30 minutes to run home, and what can you cook in 30 minutes? If you don't have protein powder, you're kind of screwed. Um, and then you got to run to class, got to go train, got to go coach. So it gets pretty challenging, but you do the best you can. To, if you know you have a busy day coming up, cook something in the morning or the night before and just put it in some Tupperware and deal with it. So oh, go ahead. ahead. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Jinx. What are, you, what are some of your go-to foods then for if you're looking for a, a quick, easy uh, protein intake on the go? <laughs> Not your real go-to food. <laughs> no, you actually, like, I've changed. Uh, we, we know what that is. <laughs> it used to be like McDonald's. I used to do that. That's the very Dave, rare. The Dave Tate diet. The Dave Tate diet. Um, now I, I found uh, Fairlife. They make a skim milk that's like a 13 grams of protein and like no fat, but very low carb too. So like it's pretty much pure protein um, per serving, and I like to do that. I mean like a three servings of that, four servings of that. It's a pretty good size of protein. We gotta get you that organic, Alex. Have you ever had that in the SBC? Uh, I think I've tried it. It's a little. Expensive. Yep. Well, yeah, I'll give you that, <laughs> but man, it's delicious. Oh, yeah, it's, it's definitely it. really oh. good. It tastes great. It's got solid macros on it, too. But Fairlife is like 319 for seven servings, so yeah. 91 grams. Especially of if you're eating, yeah. Single yeah, serve. Single serve. So you talk, like, just hearing you talk about all this, is this all, like, self-taught things, or is this stuff that you now apply to it because you are in exercise and sports science? For your major, how how's that? Because I remember like when I was lifting back in college, lifting. and I wish I knew half of what I knew now, and then I was just basically being naive. So um, some of it's self-taught, and some of it's online stuff, and some of it's just talking to smart people, um, kind of through very. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're looking for the smart person. Yeah, I, I talk to myself when I'm yeah, old. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> that, that makes sense. Um, through competing at a high level, you kind of get some ins with some coaches who normally wouldn't waste their time with somebody like your level of academia. So talking to people like Lane Norton and talking to people like uh, Mike Isertel, um, just talking to really smart people, high-level coaches and academics, you learn a lot of stuff. Um, talking to people like AJ and Matt, uh, Andre, talking to you about biomechanics and uh, you don't we'll, even, we'll, we'll you don't even lift. We'll talk. <laughs> taping ankles. Yeah, taping. I need to tape my ankles, man. There we go. I can help you out. I know. Can you guy. teach me how to tie my shoes without getting out of breath? Ooh. We'll figure that out. <laughs> so just through all that, you kind of learn. Cheap um, assistance. <laughs> and then through just being dedicated to wanting to put out the best information to your athletes and to get the most out of your training, you strive to do whatever you can to learn. So you mentioned a couple of times that you're working with athletes and an active coach right now. Are you in the works of trying to expand that as a business moving forward? You know, putting websites together. Where are you at with some of those goals and ambitions? Put your plug out there. That's yeah, right. put your yeah, plug we'll let you plug there. it at the end too. I've got all your stuff, and that'll all be linked. So, but yeah, 
So okay, you say, what are your plans with all that? How many people are you training? Uh, I couldn't even count. So currently, yeah, so currently, uh, my own athletes. So I coach three teams currently, eight teams. Um, one team is my old high school's powerlifting team. I'm the okay. assistant coach. Um, they're 13 time in a row women's state champs, um, multiple national champs, number one ranked women's team in the country. Nice. So we've got a pretty successful program of almost 70 lifters out of a high school of 260. Yeah, as you said, that's wow. a big school. Wow. Yeah, that's a huge percentage. So, um, I assistant coach there under head coach Eric Mock, who got me into all this, so it's kind of giving back. Um, and then I coach my own athletes, um, some in lacrosse, some former lacrosse alumni, some friends and family in other places. Um, and that's under the umbrella of ASCO Athletics, um, which is a company I'm working on officially starting so I can do online coaching and uh, video analysis and stuff for other lifters and just kind of help people um, throughout the world, hopefully. And then the third one I'm working with is uh, Raise the Bar, Train Heroic um, with Chelsea Carabin, Chelsea Lifts on YouTube, and Lenny Hullava. Um, they started it and brought me on as a coach um, where you download an app, you get the program, and you get access to the private Facebook group where you can get video analysis so pretty much it's the same um, coaching you get with a couple hundred dollar a month online coaches minus the training program, which shocker isn't that crazy of a benefit, um, but you only pay $20 a month. Nice. Um, and you get unlimited access to that group where you can ask questions all day, every day if you want to. So you want to make a career out of this. Okay? Yeah, hopefully. You're doing what you love. Yeah. Nothing better than that, right? It'd be pretty cool. Well, you're doing pretty well already, and you're still in school, so I think you got a pretty <laughs> you good You got to pass my class, though. Yeah. No, you're done with mine, aren't you? No, you know, no, I got right. 355. <laughs> Your career is in my hands. That's the hard one, isn't it? 355? The, yeah, the real tough one? I don't know if I'd say hard. <laughs> Interesting. It's not in the morning, so you got yeah. that going for you. I still want to skip sometimes. <laughs> So what recommendations do you have? I know you kind of laid out like your programming for um, like your training towards, you know, being a world-class uh, lifter. What would you have for just like the average Joe that's just going into the work, you know, into the gym, you know, before work or on their noon hour or just uh, what, what suggestions would you have for them just with their own uh, training program that they're just doing on their own? So that's going to apply. That's some of the people I work with with uh, Raise the Bar just sedentary population or general population lifters who are just trying to get in shape um, and be more functional throughout the day. Um, and in my opinion, they should probably train pretty similarly to the way that I train. They just don't need to take those extra risks. Um, that's one point uh, Dr. Carl Foster talked about a lot in a physiology class I had with him. He laid out a graph where it's like training side effect is a saturation curve that way and training effect is that way. Elite level athletes are going to train with a really high side effect possibility and a really high training effect because they want the most benefit, um, but they're going to have to take risks to get there. Um, lower level athletes, a little bit less of a side effect, but still a very high training effect. And then that sedentary population, you can keep training side effect almost minimal to none and keep that effect still decently high um, where you don't have to take the risks. So I think they could probably benefit greatly from the simple barbell movements like all of us do, um, but they just don't need to take the risks. Like if 
your form starts breaking down, I might push through and do five more reps. Mm -hmm. But someone like that could just rack it and call it a set. Sure. I think it's interesting that you recommend general population training that way because if you ever work in or walk into a commercial fitness center, I mean, you see the exact <laughs> yeah, opposite, I right? <laughs> leg extensions, leg curls, lots of machine, Nautilus equipment. Which is why we shot this yeah. way. Don't look, <laughs> don't look over there. there. Don't look at that stuff. Yeah, but again, cardio people, equipment. people are afraid to do training that way. They're afraid to squat. They say, you know, they hear people say it'll bad hurt their, their bad for their oh knees, bad for their back. Don't deadlift. You're going to hurt your back. Whereas you're coming at it from the opposite approach. Like, no, do those things. So why do you think general population could benefit from? Oh man, so many ways. Um, but the big one is, for one, I'll, I'll address my thoughts on the whole injury. Like you could hurt yourself. You could hurt yourself stepping off a curve. A curb. Uh, you could, yeah, <laughs> crap. And a curved. Yeah, you know? a yeah. curved curve. Yeah. 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 It's it very difficult. Yeah. 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 There you go. But Easy. even worse, you could hurt yourself stepping off a curb, just a straight one. <laughs> That's a good point. I never thought about it that way. Yeah, that's why you keep me around. <laughs> I just fell on the walking down to my yard the other day because there was a patch of ice. Thank God I reacted quickly. That's a, that's a true kid. story. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, just think the good squat form back to episode one with our camera guy squatting at desk oh, yeah. to put it into a standing desk. You never know when you have to It very useful because none of us were getting underneath <laughs> there. So, <laughs> anyway. Um, so, basically, like you can hurt yourself doing anything and you will eventually hurt yourself doing something. Even if you're just sitting on the couch, that's going to cause more problems than getting in the gym and maybe being sore, maybe tweaking a back muscle or something like that. That you come back from and that you could get healthier from. But these sedentary diseases we have um, with like diabetes and heart disease, those are a lot harder to come back from than a strain and a trap or some back muscle. Um, How old are you? <laughs> Five. <laughs> this many. No, just, your your wisdom is. Uh, I wish it was applied to. Yeah. So do I. Yeah. <laughs> so do I. Right. Yeah. If, I, if I, only. I think that was kind of the point of us starting this, wasn't it? That wisdom. Yeah. yeah, yeah I think maybe something yeah, along those something lines. To do with that. I think I had to screw my desk or my laptop into my desk so I don't throw it at the wall when I read some of this stuff. <laughs> That actually brings up to one question that I had, but keep going. <laughs> um, so with the injuries being addressed, uh, why should they train that way? You're going to get the most benefit. Um, what we see in research is the barbell is king in that sense. You can put out more force production. You can move the most weight through the same range of motion, and you're going to get the best benefit. So I don't know why we see people trying to replace squats with leg press. Well, I know it's because they're lazy, and they don't want to put in the work. But right. that squat with less work is going to give you more benefit than lying on a leg press, where I've seen more injuries than squatting, to be honest. I've seen more people a tweak a lower back than on a leg press than squatting. I think your chance of hernia goes up fairly significantly, too, <laughs> on a leg press. At I felt that way. But yeah, I feel awkward whenever I try them. Yeah. I can, yeah. But it's cool because you can do like a thousand pounds, even though it's Bro, not like you're, yeah, you're not really doing like a thousand pounds. You throw it over on the squat and you do like 210. So leave the ego at home. We're going to take one more break, uh, we'll come back, and we'll hit with the last round of questions and go from there.
And we're back. Uh, we've got a few more questions that we're going to finish up with, uh, especially the three that we ask all our, or we will ask all our guests once we keep doing the first. Once we have this is the first, the first. Uh, but one of those before that, and this is one I wanted to ask: is you know, being world champion, being considered world class at what you do. Like, what advice did you have for somebody trying to be world class at anything, like a world class chiropractor or researcher? Um, oh. That complicates things. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about an athlete. Or an athlete. Yeah, whatever you well, want. Well, I mean, it, the same concept still applies. It's just right. doing the stuff you don't want to do when you need to do it. So for and an that athlete's... familiar? Billing. Oh. <laughs> for an athlete's case like me, there are days that I feel okay, but I just don't want to be in the gym. There are days where I feel like something's off, and then I'll shut it down and go home so I can avoid that injury. But um, there are days I feel okay, I just lack motivation to be there. And you just got to do it. Um, you're going to be in pain. You're going to be probably sad at some point about losing, about things you've missed, stuff like that. But if you want to make it to the top, that's what it takes. Unless you're some genetic freak, um, the 1% of the 1% of the 1%. It's going to take a lot of anguish and hard work um, to make it to the top. And that swings um, into like the formal side of things as well for researchers and chiropractors and it's just learning the material and staying up on your continuing education so you can be more ethical and deliver more um, beneficial services to your clientele um, and not be preaching. Start writing that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> good. Don't use words. This is good, like, Andy. Yeah. Keep this coming. I just thought athletic training sounded cool. <laughs> ATC. Yeah. You get to work with athletes. It's related to medicine. Sign me up. Sounds good. <laughs> but, uh, it, just so you're not preaching uh, stuff from the 80s that's somehow still around in some backcountry chiropractor's office. Like, yeah, I can do your dentistry. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I can fix your teeth just by adjusting your neck. <laughs> yeah. Stuff like that. Just doing, sure. doing the things you don't want to do when it's necessary. I like it. Good. Makes sense. So then to the questions that we will plan to ask every guest, welcome to being the first. Yeah. Uh, what would be some take-home tips or like your Twitter version of what you would have for our audience? Um, anyone who wants to get better in any sort of fitness or sports performance sense or healthier or live longer or anything, feel better, um, get under a barbell. Uh, at least three days a week. You can do any, any is better than none. That's the first thing. People are like, I don't have that much time. I can only go one day a week. It's like, well, that one day a week is better than no days a week, so shut up and get in the gym. Um, but getting under the barbell, getting a coach who understands biomechanics and is proper in the way he teaches you so you can avoid that injury, and then just go at it. Do your heavy squats. Do your heavy deadlifts. Do your heavy bench press. Don't be afraid, right? Don't be afraid. People are afraid of those movements. It's just a bar. It's just a movement. I'm much more scared, like, walking around on ice than walking off an 800-pound <laughs> squat. And like you were saying earlier, it definitely translates into more functional movements throughout Rate of daily life. Right. I, I, think, I think that's the big thing. standing, picking things up. Yeah. Well, Kyle and I talk about this a lot with, with kids, is when they run and jump at you and you're forced to catch them in weird, awkward positions, similar to almost kind of the bottom of the deadlift. It's like, you don't train with that kind of movement, 
now all of a sudden when my kid flies out the stairs and I got to catch her, there goes my back yeah, if I haven't right. been trained that way. Well, look how many things are geared towards older individuals that can't use, engage their glutes. You know, you got the, the recliners that you push the button and it, it makes them stand up or, um, you know, the, the toilet seats that are raised up because they can't fully, you know, get up because they can't squat. Well, if they had been doing a little bit of strength training, I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's a squat. It's how many times you get up and down out of a chair every right. day. That's all it is. Definitely leads to autonomy later in life. Especially with the, the older population, like the research is stacked. Like the benefits, I, we don't bone need to density, get into bone yeah. density, um, a yeah. bunch. Just Reducing oh my! I just did yeah. I just did a huge research uh, for one of Foster's classes, and uh, we only needed I think three sources, and I had like thirty. I'm like this is like everyone needs to know this because there's still people out there saying Bosu balls and balance boards, <laughs> and it's like do nothing. Like, just get them to squat an empty barbell. Yeah. Get them to squat a broomstick if they can't. Get them to stand up out of a chair a couple times. That's yep. literally what I'm having. I'm working with my mother, who's, she's 18. Don't hit me. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, she, she's getting out there in age. So we literally, I tell her to do chair squats. Like, literally, you're at your desk. You're about to go to work or something. Just get up, sit back down. Get up, sit back down. Find a lower chair. That's something Dr. Andre talks about is box squats, unloaded box squats, until they can hit proper depth um, with a weighted barbell. Yeah, absolutely. Or you can be like us and go to standing, because it yeah. seems to work out. Right. Yeah. I'll just sit. There you go. <laughs> I'll do the squats. That's fine. Yeah, when you're squatting 800 pounds, I think you're allowed to sit down in a chair. <laughs> what would be your most influential training, nutrition, whatever purchase you want for under 100 bucks? So I had to think long and hard about this one, and it's really cheesy, but I'm gonna have to go with my uh, my membership to the federation that I'm a part of for powerlifting. Um, like we talked about earlier, it's kind of given me access to resources that most people in my position will never have, and that's high-level researchers with high-level lifters and high-level coaches, all helping me along the way. Um, and really, that's been the story of the past half year. I mean, if I hadn't asked you to help me in the human performance lab maybe I'd be at a 1,900 pound total still. And now we're hoping to hit like 2,100 at Worlds. It's ridiculous how, even if you try to educate yourself, the hardest one to coach um, is yourself. I mean, I thought I had my nutrition. I ate clean foods. I ate a lot of protein. I'm like, 3,700 is a lot of calories. But until you have somebody smarter than you who has an objective viewpoint, you really can't um, do it all on your own. For sure. And I was, you never want to be, the, if you're the smartest one in the room, you're in the wrong room. Yeah. That's why. That's how I feel right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you kind of want to know as much as you can, but you always want to have people that are smarter than you and something. And yeah, it's, I couldn't agree more working with AJ and Kyle. Just a combination of it all makes it what's deadly. Network and take advantage of your resources. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I have somebody to adjust you. <laughs> well, they happen yeah, to come by. And vice versa. Well. And vice Yesterday. versa. Yeah. How's that feeling, by the way? Great. Yeah, it feels a lot better. <laughs> Don't. It's got a permanent limp. Now, Erica did some soft tissue work yesterday, too. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Good. Yep. Be nice. <laughs> you got a permanent limp. Uh, last one. What information would you tell yourself, either in your training and or your education, if you could go back four or five years, uh, and then if you could just kind of like place us where you were at during, like, when you would give yourself that? 
So I'll go back to my freshman year in college because that's when um, I was out on my own in the powerlifting world. I didn't have a coach. Um, I didn't have a, any advisors whatsoever. I had the internet and Google. I had, I had <laughs> Facebook Messenger to talk to lifters. Like, hey, what do you do? Can I take that? Like, um, and my advice would be one to shut up because I started preaching like everything I knew. To be a fact, like, oh, yeah, creatine, man, that stuff doesn't work. What are you talking about? Like, supplements are great. Um, so I just, I started being the person that I now hate, the person who puts <laughs> out facts, misinformative yeah. facts. Um, but the advice I, was, I would give is to listen to everything, but question everything. So even things, I, we've had conversations where we've disagreed, and I'm one of your students. I mean, um, you just have to have the ethics to question everything. And if somebody smart like Lane Norton told me what I think is wrong, I'd question it. But that doesn't automatically mean I assume that Lane's right and take his viewpoint. Um, so just listen to everything and question everything is pretty much it. Awesome. Right. Uh, where was I? Yeah, I already talked about that. Normally we go back 10 years, but you would have been... Twelve. Well, you were have started because you've been doing it for yeah. a long time. So. True. But we it's heard true. that uh, origin story as well when it was 5 a.m. and you were going yeah. to work out for football. So, to wrap things up, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at youtube.com slash askoathletics. Um, you can find me at Instagram and I don't do Twitter stuff anymore, but askoathletics is kind of my handle for most things. A-S-K-O-W, yep. right? A-S-K-O-W. And then Andy Asco, powerlifter slash coach on Facebook. Awesome. All right. Anything else you want to plug before we sign off? Clinically Press. Thank you guys for yes. having yeah. me. Thanks, Thanks for being the, Thanks for being the first be person. We'll have to have you on again, too, when we're oh, yeah. not as awkward at this. <laughs> not as awkward. You after you, after you, you set more three, world records. Three, three records. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, we'll have to do updates as that comes through. Most definitely. Yeah. All right, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. That's good. Thanks, Dan. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Good boy. I have no idea how this is all going to work. It's going to be <laughs> We have to re-record yeah, everything. Yeah, that was practice. I'm like afraid to close things up right now. Like, I don't know what's going to pass. Thanks for taping. Yeah, thanks for coming. It's just, uh... Just what are you doing there? Yeah. What am I doing? Trying to figure this out. Audio, you guys know my face the whole time. Start. <laughs>